Hello and welcome to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with James Tynan IV. We hope you enjoy. I want to go back to the win thing because it's interesting to me. I feel like, you know, you have backstagers and you had wind and you have wind still and um, you, you, and I was like, oh, you used to do, you know, YA was definitely a big part of what you were into and, and making. And obviously you're very passionate about wind and you, you still make it and it's, and it's an awesome book. Um, but I, I see a lot of what's coming and it's not in the YA space. And then I sort of like stepped further back and I was like, you kind of chase ideas. You kind of chase things like department of truth and, and blue book are sort of brother, sister books in some way. I, I, I think of them. And I think, nice house and world tree are kind of related and uh i was kind of in love with that idea and of like one book doesn't sort of satisfy you on a thing that you you kind of like fall keep following it and keep exploring it and like i was gonna ask you if that's a conscious decision but really the thing that jumped out at me is like if if we if we acknowledge that you're chasing sort of ideas and themes and and tone and stuff uh shit is getting really dark like you're, you're, going, so you're going darker and darker and i uh maybe this is a podcast question maybe this is just a friend check-in question like, uh, dark james are you okay there buddy like honestly like this is how i cope and deal with all of that shit it is the like i want to poke at the darkest most uncomfortable emotional shit that lives in my head um and you know i want to express it through comic scripts like because it helps me understand it better and helps me like parse through it better mm-hmm. and it makes for better comics yeah. um and i mean like and but i mean like beyond that the biggest reason that when my career started i liked writing about teenagers is that i was 24 years old the biggest like most emotional things that had happened in my life were happened in high school which was only a few years prior yeah um and like now I'm I'm 35. I'm like, you know, the most the biggest deepest emotional shit that has happened to me has happened in my adult life. And those are the things that I'm going to like lean into. And there's still like there's still an importance to what happened like when I was in high school. Like I think high school was a very formative time for me, so I think I'm always going to like have a, a little bit that leans into that stuff, but it is just the you know, it changes over time. And I do think like, I I was having this conversation with, uh, you know, with Scott the other day that it's just like different parts of your career, you kind of go after different themes. Um, I have some basic themes that basically everything that I write is about, like the biggest, most central theme uh, in all of my work from my Batman work to like my creator own work is the more you try to control something, the less control you have. Uh, which is a lesson that in real life that I will never learn. Um, and so I'm going 
going to keep trying to teach fictional versions of myself that lesson. Uh, like, and, uh, and then see if it rubs off one of these days. But I, like, you know, but that that is what, you know, whether, like, whoever the me is, whether it's, like, Walter in Nice House, whether it's, uh, you know, fucking Tim Drake in Detective Comics, like, it is just the, like, those are, like, that's how I write. I need, I need that personal thread. I need that personal, like, you know, emotional power. And it doesn't, like, it, it doesn't come from, like, a... Because right now, frankly, like I've written very, very happy stuff at very dark emotional moments in my life. And I've written very dark emotional stuff at like very happy moments in my life. And generally, like right now, you know, it's like you know, I've lost 65 pounds. I'm like building muscle. I'm working out every day. I feel like I'm feeling OK. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing all right. Like uh, and, you know, I get to dictate what I work on and tell the stories that matter the most to me. And I get to explore what makes me very uncomfortable about the world. Yeah. You say you say that you cope using projects that like explore certain themes and stuff. And it's like when you close the book on a project about, you know, conspiracy or about the end of the world, do you get like a level of catharsis from having gone through like when you're done with something, do you kind of go like, I, I went through that rabbit hole. I mean, you're asking me this question when I've like just launched like my (laughs) ongoing series, having closed none of it. That's true. That's fair. I'll find out in a few years. Maybe I'll just like all all my emotional shit. I hope so. That'd be great. I'll just like, like, you know, uh, Oh, I became the perfect human being. I resolved everything. (laughs) I, I was super like looking at looking at your work and your catalog and all this stuff and and I can't help but look at the stuff I'm working on and sort of what I've worked on and uh and looking around and I was like you know I I keep sort of going back to this sort of or or I'm going to be going to this sort of post-apocalyptic well a lot and and uh I'm trying to get away from that and do less post-apocalyptic stuff but I have another project coming up and um in some ways it's sort of my way of reckoning with the world and then i looked at your stuff and i was like james doesn't do post-apocalyptic you just do apocalyptic like you do the actual (laughs) end of the world and i and in some ways i was like well that's that's the darkness is that i uh, my my stuff assumes that somebody survives and (laughs) your stuff doesn't assume that ever somebody survives and that's it's such a funny thing to be like thinking about that. And then your, your stuff is really tapped into the zeitgeist in a very real way. I feel like you're very much like have the pulse of, of a lot of the comic reading audience and the pop culture audience in such a smart way. And it's sort of terrified me a little bit like, (laughs) and I love your books and I love your work, but I was kind of like, man, people are connecting much more with like, not knowing if there if there's if anyone survives this then they are connecting with you know and not not speaking for my own stuff and obviously there's post-apocalyptic stuff that's that's popular but like it feels like we're living in the apocalypse like that's the the central feeling i think of the like modern era and it's like it's not exciting it's like dull it is yeah. a dull experience living in the apocalypse it is like it's mostly frustrating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like everything is right. and you 
just have to keep doing all of the shit that you're already doing while you're emotionally tired. And then like a horrible thing happens right in front of you. And then you just have to keep going. And it's just like, I wanted to like, that is the core emotion that I feel like I've been trying to hit like in all of my recent books. And it is like tonally, it's the type of horror I find like most interesting to write. Like, I, I think all of my work has a kind of, like, muted, detached quality, but then the visceral bits hit, like, hard, and, like, and then, you know, but everyone's kind of glib about it, but not in a way that I think undercuts the tension of those beats. Uh, it is, but I think, once again, that just feels like, you know, living in the, di- like, right now. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where everyone thinks that Nice House on the Lake was a pandemic book when I pitched it two years before the pandemic, like this was something that like the idea of just like, okay, yeah, you just have to keep living, even though, you know, everyone you love is dead. Like, but you just have to keep like doing, like you have to wake up in the morning, like do a thing. Uh, Like, I don't know. It is the, like, that scares me. It scares me about society and now. And it's something that, like, emotionally I feel like I can tap into. Um, and then find, like, the the uplifting human parts of that as well. Sure. Uh, like, because that's, that is, you know, that's really important. And that's the, it's funny because, like, some of my books, like, you know, the books that start the bleakest are going to, like, you know, like, World Tree starts very bleak. But, yeah is going to (laughs) get to like honestly i think one of my more like humanist like places uh like there there are other books that have a little bit of a nihilist edge uh but like world tree is a book that believes in believes in people um you know you don't necessarily see that from page one but it is just like that's the you know it's the I don't know. It's like, I like exploring all this. I like exploring like discomfort. I wanted to talk about world tree for a minute. Um, obviously it's your new image book. You, Fernando Blanco, Jordi Belair, um, who are an amazing team. Just so breathtakingly good together. I, I, did you work with them, Matt? I, uh, what? Oh, that's right. I did a detective <laughs> book with them. Uh, the wonderfully named, Batman colon Detective Comics colon Shadow of the Bat colon House of Gotham. Uh, <laughs> colons in there if you try. It's it's a lot of colons. It almost uh, gets as many like words in the title as one of your standard like creator on books. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's like more colons than a proctologist's office. They <laughs> um, see what I did there. Colons. Um, those are different words. The <laughs> no, they're so good. I just think like. It's rare to like there. Fernando's a great artist and Jordy's a great colorist. Um, obviously, they're both top of the field, but to get like it's rare that I see two people work together as well as I think they do. Like, yeah. they just you're just like, oh, this is a team, like, this should be a team that's locked into place. And it's a beautiful book. Um, but like we alluded to, uh, the first issue is so fucking dark. Um, and it's great and I loved it and it's sort of jaw-dropping horror in a way that like as someone like me who consumes a lot of horror comics and a lot of horror movies and horror writing and stuff like uh, it takes a lot to sort of jaw-drop you and this is one where I was like fuck that's this is a lot uh do you 
are there lines for you? Are there places where you where you've either been like this is too much or and taken something out, or do you feel nervous about it ever, or are you just all full speed ahead on that? I mean, I'm kind of full speed ahead. Like this is a like if I was putting it out in a different way, if I was like where lines exist, I think they're from, you know, it's the responsibility of putting something out in front of an audience, like, and your responsibility to that audience. Uh, I think doing an adult horror story, like released as an MA comic from image, like that, that doesn't bother me. Um, You know, I think that like, you know, like I, I hit, I hit hard from issue one. Um, and from there, like not every issue is going to (laughs) be that level of an intensity, but it is just one of those things where, you know, I want, I don't want to hit near the nerve. I want to hit the nerve. Sure. Um, and I knew the nerve that I wanted to hit with this. And honestly, like, you know, I'll tell you the, uh, like one of the key, uh, inspirations for this book, uh, I was making the move back from uh, from Los Angeles to New York, uh, and that's one of the, one of the. And it was on that trip that the first seeds of the story started coming together. Uh, and you know, my uh, like we, my partner and I, uh, my partner at the time and I, like we were listening to episodes of a true crime podcast called Sword and Scale, which I don't actually recommend people listen to. Um, <laughs> And uh, because they and part of it, part of what makes Sword and Scale effective is they actually use like 9-11 recordings and stuff, not like nine one one recordings and like yeah. all of this, like, you know, stuff that it's like ethically very gray that they use um, and uh, sometimes not even gray. And there was this one episode uh, that was about the Luca Magnotti uh, murders and how uh, there was like a Netflix documentary about it that he was like basically caught by a bunch of cat people, like which is like bizarre. But I can't even watch that because this ep- yeah. the episode of Sword and Scale upset me so much. You, um, mean, you mean people who own cats? Yeah, yeah. Like because he like killed cats, put it on in a video, and put it online, and so they found him. And, okay. Um, but he like killed someone and like shared the video online, and uh-huh. the video like started to spread as a shock video uh in the early corners of the internet especially before there was a lot more like moderation in place in it and there was just this like montage of recordings of different uh you know like different people like having their reaction videos Mm -hmm. to an, an actual murder yeah um and then one of the voices was of a 10 year old kid Mm -hmm like who was watching that for the first time yeah and it's like like i had to stop stop the episode stop the car get out of the car yeah um like have not revisited that episode have not like re-engaged with that podcast frankly sure but it was like one of the scariest like most viscerally horrible thing mm-hmm. that that I, that i like you know like yeah was in proximity to and then it yeah. just like kept living in my head uh, as a colonel, like for like a deeper story. Because like thematically, you know, like World Tree gets at a lot of similar stuff that I, you know, tapped into with one of my earliest books, Mimetic, which does it through a much like more fun lens. 
But the way that this shit's happening in the real world isn't fun. Yeah. And just like I like there like this is gonna there's gonna be plenty of comic booky shit. There's gonna be plenty of sci-fi shit and like all of that. And all of that's still there in the first issue. It's kind of hidden, but like mm-hmm. as you keep reading, it's gonna become more obvious. Uh but like I wanted to hit the nerve. I wanted to hit the nerve yeah. that was hit in me. Uh like sure. yeah. I I it's funny because I don't I don't really love true crime stuff. I I I stumble across it sometimes and I I end up watching it because other people like really recommend it or or you know listening to it or whatever. But I watched one of the um Ted Bundy documentaries and the thing that like I couldn't get away from like obviously like all those things where like they're interviewing family or you're like you're hearing his thoughts or you know the killer's thoughts or family of victims or whatever is always intense and or victims who get away or whatever it is but the ted bundy documentary i watched had a bunch of stuff on his mom and not not a ton but enough that i was like fascinated by her and just like sort of overwhelmed by the emotionality of like how do you handle this if this is your kid like how 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 could you possibly process this like yeah. what is it what do you think of yourself what do you think of your kid like i i know so many i don't have kids but i know so many people who are parents who like fully love their children unconditionally as as you should and like what does this do to that and like i i and I thought a lot after watching that documentary about that. I, I really thought about just like what being a murderer does to your family um, and how fucking horror, horrifying it is. And reading your book, you hit on that. And like, it was really like raw in a way that like is so brutal and and something that i just don't think people explore of just like yeah my family member's a murderer it's just not a story that we we as a culture who love talking about murder and murderers yeah don't talk about that angle enough of like the well, I mean, like i don't know that that their story is like the issue once you get into real shit is like whose story like obviously the victim's families like sure. like you know like matter matter more of course, um, of course but it is just like the you know this is the it's but just the human experience of it all this is all like really fascinating and horrifying and seeing people pulled into these you know some people pulled into very dark places and some people who like drift towards the dark themselves yeah and it is it's like it's absolutely terrifying and it happens like in a lot of ways all around us and i've always had like a deep fascination it's funny, like the, this line of conversation, like actually, like is taps more into the next book that I'm writing, which is the one where I deal with like some of my serial killer thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. where I am, you know, and that hasn't been announced yet, but I'm like, you know, I went to high school, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 15 blocks away from the house that Jeffrey Dahmer killed all those people. Mm-hmm. Um, like. And then beyond that, as a gay person, the first gay person I found out that existed was Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh-huh. Um, like, so that's, uh, that's you know, fun. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Like, and then that was the, like, you know, the uncomfortable relationship between queerness and, like, 
you know how they used to hunt serial killers and like identify them and how that influenced to like you know one of my favorite movies of all time silence of the lambs like all of this shit kind of comes together and that's like some of the stuff that i'm plugging into into in the next book uh so another like happy uh romp from james tyne in the fourth <laughs> way uh in the near future i i like like the uncomfortable places like are visceral and interesting to me mm. um and it's also i I feel like I kind of have the freedom to play with it um, because I do like, it's not the only thing I'm doing. Like if, if you, you know, I have a book, if you just want something like that's like nice and about friends, like you should pick up like it's a nice book. It's about friends, like things, bad things happen to some of the characters, but not on the same level. Um, and you know, but and then even something is killing the children, which is like plenty brutal in its own right, but is much more of like you know, uh, action adventure series in a superhero mold. It has like pieces of horror, but I don't like I, it's not a book that like is only for horror people, yeah. Um, but it's just like I'm I wanted to lean further into the horror, I wanted to lean, you know like further into the dark places and I wanted to see where it took my work. Um, and we'll see, we'll see who comes along with me on that journey. Uh, I hope people do because I want this book to like, you know, I want it to last a few years. This is me writing a horror novel. Like this is, you know, I, I have the shape of the story in my head and I want to go down lots of different like avenues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll see if I get, get the chance to do it. Yeah. It like poked part of my brain that nothing else has for a long time in, in this way where it's just like, yeah, it's just so like upsetting. And, but in a way where it's like, well, now I gotta know what's happening here. Like <laughs> I gotta know how, how dark this gets and how far this goes. Yeah. And I mean, like I, and this is something that I do genuinely feel is I think that because we live in a world where, you know, the big two are big corporate companies. Um, and then the entire secondary market of like, you know, like what is called creator owned comics, but is more right share deals uh, with the, the IP farms, like those, like all of those, like they're, you know, they need, they're not going to let those stories go to certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not like, you know, coming at at it from this like edgelord position of like i want to go to the edgiest places (laughs) but it is something where like there are things about the world that really upset me and the way i cope with them is i write about them and i want to write about them in the avenues where like i don't feel restricted and you know in not feeling that restriction like and like I'm able to lean right in and I feel like people pick up on that in, in my comic. I mean, like this was something even with department of truth when I launched it, like there, there are some issues of that that touch some like live wires. Yeah. Uh, and I try to do it as like very responsibly. I like, I really put, I genuinely put a lot of thought into it uh, to not like take that to uh, like a dangerous place, but it is like, I'm, I'm playing with dangerous things that real people believe. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, I remember I had an agent, uh, like I was talking to an agent. I, I hadn't hired them yet. 
but it was just like I was talking to an agent about like the series and they tried to get me to change the third issue of Department of Truth, which is the one that deals with the school shooting. Mm-hmm. And because they were just like, I can't sell a book like this. And I'm like, that's not that's not the order in which I'm doing this. Yeah. And then on top of that, the people who ended up buying the rights for that was just like, oh, fuck, that third issue is like the one that like, you sure. know, showed what the book could be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, we can expect more from our readers. And I also feel like there people are hungry for stuff that actually hits a real place in them, like yeah. stories that actually touch that nerve. Um, I don't, I don't think everyone has the taste for it to happen in quite as visceral a way as maybe I do in world tree, but it's just like, for, but for the people who do have a stomach for that, like, I, I hope they really enjoy the book. Like enjoy might be the wrong. Like I hope they mm-hmm. like engage with the book and you know are thrilled by it. Um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think enjoy is the wrong word. Yeah, uh, the, it's a great book. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I I feel like that's maybe a good place to to leave it. You know, I, sure. I had a bunch more questions about about World Tree, and I, I'm sort of fascinated by it, but I also kind of want people just to discover it. I don't want to like unwrap it for people too much. I don't think that benefits the book. I think there's, I think it's, it's a book that really made me, you know, it, it's a, it's a put it down and think about it for a long time. First issue, which you don't get enough of in comics. You don't get enough of anywhere. And so I feel like diving into it here would be sort of a disservice to that experience in some ways. So I think on that note, I, I just want to say like, you know, uh, as a as a friend, but also as a, a creator, like I'm, it's been so awesome these last few years watching you work and watching what you've made, and uh, I feel like not just for myself, but like I see it among our peers and everybody, just sort of being like, it's time to step up our games. Like James is <laughs> someone who is firing on all cylinders, doing the work he wants to do, and finding the audience and exciting and energizing audience, and it's been really inspiring to me as as a creator and exciting to me as your friend and uh i just want to thank you for all of it and and thanks for taking the time to come on the show and hang out yeah Yeah, thanks thanks for having me and i'm sorry that like talking about my new book was like we were having (laughs) (laughs) like no no here's a horrifying podcast that scarred me for life (laughs) yeah no that's yeah we'll We'll link to it in the comments. Um, <laughs> Please don't. Please, we're not, like, legitimately don't take that out. It's really upsetting. Watch okay. the cat documentary on Netflix if you want to hear it. <laughs> I was just hoping that this guy was caught by cat people like Feral, cat, like the movie Cats. And I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool. Cast of cats. The... That story didn't get enough traction. <laughs> it, was, it was specifically yeah. James Corden's cat. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. The scariest thing of all. The only buried per- the lead in those headlines. Yeah. The, the <laughs> only person I knew who was in cats is Taylor Swift. So I was Taylor Swift. But I guess James Corden's in it. And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with James Tynan IV. Make sure to check out World Tree and everything else James is working on by subscribing to his Substack, The Empire of the Tiny Onion, at jamestynanthefourth.substack.com. 
and give him a follow on Twitter at James the Fourth. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.